1: I'm Alex Goldman.
2: And I'm PJ Vogt.
1: Welcome once again to Yes, Yes, No, the segment on the show where our boss, Alex Bloomberg, comes to us with something from the internet that he doesn't understand in the hopes that we, internet experts. Internet experts? uh, I know. It feels pretty (laughs) bad to say that. In the hopes that we, compared to me, two people who, who have decided to make a show where we try and explain things from the internet, explain it to him.
3: Uh, Alex, what do you
1: got for? Us? I have a
3: tweet for you, but um, this is the this is something that I sometimes do, where I have a tweet that I believe I understand, that you guys are not going to understand. Is it a tweet that is about sports? It is. Um, why don't I show it to you? Because it's like one of these ones that's like sorry, of right, I can I can try to read it. Okay,
2: it's by somebody named Michael Kelly at MCA of A, and it's like a split screen image. On the left is Natalie Portman. And the, like, it's, like, grandpa meme font, you know, where it's, like, impact font with, like, white letters with a black outline. Grandpa
1: meme font. Yeah. Like,
2: the fonts that they, that, like, people's, like, old relatives use when they're, like, passing around stuff about, like, Killery and, like, also Trump. You know what I mean? Like, it's, like, your most, it's, like, meow cat meme it's font.
1: It's, like, yeah, the I has cheeseburger yeah. font.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, it doesn't matter. It's a font.
1: By the way, it's, I can has cheeseburger and it's (sighs) lolcats.
2: Um, okay. So on the left side, under this much discussed font, uh, it's a picture of Natalie Portman and it says, NBA superstars, they'll now offer max
1: on tracks. It's like contracts without the C, max on tracks.
2: And then the other side is, I think, Jonathan Safran Foer, (laughs) the author. (laughs) And then on his forehead, it says, the Knicks. (laughs)
1: How could you identify Jonathan Safran Foer by sight? I don't know. A
2: life spent occasionally reading books.
1: <laughs> That's way more embarrassing. Than also, he came
2: to my high school then Than not talks. knowing
1: what lolcats are. So, uh, and it has
2: 88 retweets and 646 likes, and I have no idea what this is about.
1: Alex Goldman? Yeah, I'm clueless on this one. Ask me, ask me, ask me. Alex Bloomberg, do you understand what this tweet means? (laughs) Do you understand this tweet that you brought to
2: us so that we won't understand it? I
3: do. (laughs) We're in sports, 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 guys. Okay, so what, how do we do this? So here's what's going to happen. Ready? Yeah. So this tweet actually encompasses two different worlds. And we're gonna, and the one world that is uh, professional sports specifically, the NBA. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to handle that part. We're gonna get to that later. I'm very excited about that. Right. But before we get there, we have to take a tour through this other world. And that is the exotic world of New York literary publishing. <laughs> okay. And for that, I have a special expert who's gonna come in and help us. Reply all producer Jessica
1: Young. Nice. Hi, Jessica. Hey, guys. Hey, Jessica. Thank you for joining us.
0: Yeah, of course.
3: So, so Jessica, I, I told these guys you are going to handle the first part of this tweet, right? So we right. we just kick us off here.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. As you guys know, I, I used to work in book publishing, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually worked at this one publisher that had, because there there are a few, I guess, literary blogs that kind of gossip about the industry, and um, one of those blogs was at this publishing company I was working at. And so we just loved to talk about Jonathan Safran Foer.
1: Why? Before that, Ugh. as someone who's never read a Jonathan Safran Foer book, who is who is he? You've never so read a Jonathan Safran Foer book? I know that he wrote a book called Everything is Illuminated, and that's it.
0: Oh, my God. I'm so excited to bring you guys through this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In 2002, he came out with this book called Everything is Eliminated.
2: Yeah, and he came to my high school.
0: He came to your high school. And which, okay, by the way, this book was his undergraduate senior thesis at Princeton.
2: Mm, wow. This is where I, I, I yeah. remember it was one of the first times where I like realized that there were going to be a lot of people in the world who were like a lot smarter and more accomplished than me. Because he was like this guy that came to our high school. He'd already written this book and he was like as old as people who I knew. And everybody's like, oh, the yeah. book's a genius book.
0: And then he very quickly becomes this guy that's just the epitome of successful young writer, right? He marries Nicole Krauss, who's also a very like commercially successful, critically successful writer. Um, and then he starts to just get like seven-figure advances on all of his novels. That's insane. It's insane. Um, and this is kind of a side note, but... <laughs> There's something—I feel like this is probably common in other industries, too, but there's something in book publishing where everyone's, like, obsessed with real estate. They'll, like, post blog posts of people's houses if it's, like, on StreetEasy or something. And I— And say what?
1: Look at how much this person's house is worth? Yeah. Got it.
0: Yeah. I—I— Still remember all of the rooms of his house? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can you talk us through some of That's
0: the rooms of his house? That's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Okay, his his house, which he got in two thousand five, very soon after everything is illuminated, uh-huh. has the biggest private garden in all of brownstone Brooklyn.
2: Whoa, right? Whoa. How big is that?
0: Do you want to see it? Yeah, I have it. Hold on, it's not that big.
2: I feel like
3: this is like a very short turnaround. It's as turnaround. big as an average garden in Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> but look yeah. at that. Oh, that is crazy.
2: Yeah. That's- it looks like a, it looks like the grounds that someone would like stride around when they were convalescing. Like it looks like you know like olden days when people had to go to wards. Yeah.
0: Um so he has like a good amount of fans, but there were also a lot of people that started to resent him.
2: Because he was like the successful person who everything seemed to come really easily to. And he had a house with a football yeah. stadium says, garden. garden. Right. Yeah,
0: yes. And I mean, I think it's also just like he became the emblem of everything that people resent about the literary industry, which is that it's skewed towards like a certain kind of person, right?
2: This, people from Brooklyn named Jonathan. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like a white <laughs> dude that lives in Brooklyn that went to Princeton. Yeah. And I mean, there was so much hate towards Jonathan Stafford at this point that there was... Even a term for it, um, it was Schattenfauer.
2: Enjoying the pain of Jonathan Schattenfauer.
0: Yes. Any kind of downfall, people were just cheering on the sidelines. So Schattenfauer really hits its peak around 2009. He publishes this book called Eating Animals. It's his first nonfiction book. I remember this book. I remember not reading this book
2: because it was like, why you should be a vegetarian with all the like horrible like PETA stuff. <laughs> it was just like, I do not need this
1: book in my head.
0: Yes, that's exactly right. Um, I read it when I was in high school.
1: Did you become a vegetarian?
0: Okay, you <laughs> you know <laughs> you know my eating habits. You know, like I.
1: <laughs> you could be a vegetarian now because mostly what you eat is like candy, candy,
0: candy. Okay, well, breakfast candy, gummy. Hot- if the only meat
1: you eat is like gummy hot dogs. Wow,
0: this is turning to like a huge shame session now.
1: <laughs> no, no, this is just what it's like to be behind the mic with us. It sucks. <laughs> it feel you feel naked all the time because people are always pointing out your weird flaws. Welcome. Damn it. I would just call these attributes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, I call them weird flaws.
0: Well, I read it when I was probably in ninth grade, I think, and I. The only thing that I feel like it feels similar to is like when I discovered what hell was, you know, when I was a kid, and I was like, I need to be, I need to be a Christian, and I, or else I'm gonna be, I'm a bad person. You you just felt
2: like a moral panic and shame.
0: Totally, exactly. And so, I mean, I think that there were, were people that were like, these are really good moral arguments. But then there was this other group of people that was like, this totally overlooks, you know, class and money and how expensive it is to be a vegetarian or a vegan.
2: Also, just like the successful person whose success comes easily to is now writing a book telling everybody what to do. Yes. Right. Would be a not super terrible way that one could feel about it. Right.
0: So there are people that don't love him after hour, But there is one person that does love his work, and that is Natalie Portman.
3: Natalie Portman. I know a little bit about this.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. This
2: is, like, one of my favorite horrible things that has happened in the world.
0: Oh, yeah, me too.
2: <laughs> I don't know anything about this. She also seems, like, in a very different way and on a very different level, I think a lot of the things people feel about Jonathan and forward, they feel about Natalie Portman. Like, she's this very undeniably talented person who's also, like, has just—has had all of success and had a lot of privilege. Like, she went to Harvard. She, like—she does all these different things, and she does them really well. Like, someone who from outside, it seems like things have always come easily to, and, like, either you really like them or that drives you crazy.
0: Right. Like, totally. they're from
2: the same fancy island in the sky.
0: Yes. Yes. And Natalie Portman is really into his new book, Eating Animals. I mean, she even writes this article in the Huffington Post where she says, I used to be a vegetarian, but because of this book, now I'm a vegan. They announced, Jonathan Foer and Natalie Portman, that there's going to be a documentary made out of eating animals. Um, and that Natalie Portman would be the producer. On I didn't wedding. know about this. Yeah. And so soon after, there's this gossip site that, publishes this rumor that Natalie Portman and Jonathan Safran Foer have just been writing emails back and forth. And then, according to this gossip site, Jonathan Safran Foer went home, told his wife that he was in love with a very intellectual movie star,
1: mm-hmm.
0: broke up his marriage mm-hmm. without telling Natalie Portman first, Oh, then went and wrote an email to Natalie Portman confessing his love. To which she said, "No,
3: yeah,
1: that's I don't I like about. that
0: <laughs> because she <laughs> was married and is still married to the dancer Benjamin Millipied."
1: I don't like that. You, you, like to do that, you have to assume that like the feelings are reciprocal, right? Well, sounds right. like, like he did assume the feelings were reciprocal.
0: I think he was maybe too confident. Yes, yes, in his love, he had a lot of success
3: in his life. Hubris, hubris, I believe is the word.
0: But I, I mean, I just want to be clear. This is a rumor. Jonathan Safran Foer himself has denied it. And I mean, like, the emails between Jonathan Safran Foer and Natalie Portman, Mm -hmm. nobody's seen them. Um, So nobody actually knows if they exist. But there was a lot of talk. Then it's, you know, everything's kind of quiet for a while. And this is my favorite part. (laughs) (laughs) This is, I think, the part I know.
2: This is a very... Intense parts. tense part.
0: So that was 2014, right? Okay. In 2016, Jonathan Saffron Foer and Allie Portman are both working on new projects. Separate um,
2: new projects. Yes, yeah,
0: separate new projects. Um, and so they do this promotional piece in T Magazine.
1: Mm-hmm. and The New York Times Magazine.
0: The New York Times Magazine, in which they are going to write new emails, Jonathan Safran Foer and Allie Portman, to each other, you know, talking about their outlooks on the world and the projects that they're working on. Um, Weird. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just so painful to read.
1: Is it two people trying to impress each other with their intellects? Yes,
0: and everyone else. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I oh, mean—
1: it me out.
2: Do you want to just read a a section?
0: Sure. Okay. Okay, so this is Jonathan Zappenbauer. It's almost six o'clock in the morning. The boys are still asleep. I can hear the guinea pig stirring, but that might be the residue of a nightmare. People often refer to aloneness in writer's block as the two great challenges of being a novelist. In fact, the hardest part is having to care for guinea pigs.
2: Oh, boy. I want to crawl under the desk. <laughs> it just sucks because I was like, I feel like I wrote letters like this in like sixth grade.
1: Yeah, but you oh, had the good sense not God. to publish them. Well, no also, one was offering. It's not a email. Like right. Nobody writes that in email. What? It's like you can hear the scratch email? of the quill. No, I disagree. I totally would have written that in an email to try and impress someone. But I definitely would have been like, if someone, if the New York Times came to also, me and was were, like, hey, I want to publish this. I would be like, like, hard pass on this. The hardest
3: you. part thing. Like, <laughs> that's not like a fucking email.
0: Here's another one. Oh. Here's Natalie Portman. An ex-boyfriend of mine used to call me Moscow because he said I was always looking out the window sadly, like Moscow like some Russian novel or Chekhov play. I have that longing, yearning, it's better over there tendency.
2: Natalie Portman, mm. what are you doing? What? Oh, that makes me think that maybe, whatever, I don't want to speculate on the lives of other people, but does it sound like they had an emotional affair and then he just overread it? Just like stay away from that whole country.
0: Right. Moscow,
2: longing, <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> there is a part where she kind of out of nowhere writes about how Emilipied Pied, her husband, makes her laugh a lot.
2: Right. The way oh, you like, right. bring mm-hmm. up your boyfriend at a party when right. you run into when someone you, who's right. flirting with you too much. Yeah,
1: someone flirting at you like...
2: I get that like they're uh rich and famous people and like their failures are fine to laugh at. I feel bad. Like I feel bad for him. I feel bad for her. It's just like, oh man. Yeah, yeah. that's tough.
0: And like again, I mean, nobody knows if Jonathan Saperfauer even had feelings for Natalie Portman in the first place, but people know about this rumor. And I think that people were like if everyone knows this, why are you guys writing emails in the New York Times?
3: Yeah. yeah. Right. Like you guys got bad advice. Yeah. Yeah. And was how is stupid. there not somebody close to you to just be like, don't do Don't this. do this. Do not do this. This is the worst.
2: Also, I feel like in particular, the New York Times, one of the things that they know how to do as a newspaper is like they'll They'll have things that are it'll be about like a rich person's wedding, and the text of it is like, "Look how grand it is, but they know that this is just for everyone to read and hate, and they will uh-huh. like completely set up somebody like this, and I feel like this is just that like like the person editing this must have known that like this oh, is God.
3: The, <laughs> this is like the New York Times version of a reality show, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they sp- produce them into into like doing something that everybody would hate. Watch.
2: Yeah. Sit down in front of the camera yeah. and talk about. <laughs> oh man, the residue of your nightmares.
3: <laughs>
1: it's just gonna be guinea great. pig.
2: <laughs> there you go. Okay, so wait. So just like slightly going back to the tweet, I feel like what I now understand, like like the thing that Jonathan Silverman and Natalie Portman represent is just like the relationship between somebody. Like they want somebody. They foolishly think that it's gonna happen in like a crazy like act of hubris, and it's. Not going to happen. I don't understand how that relates to basketball in any way.
3: Right. What does that have to do with the New York Knicks? Yes. All right. Well, that, okay. (laughs) I'm now going to explain that part to you Um, after the break.
2: Okay. So now we're at the sports part.
3: Now we're at the sports oh, part. Also it's so
2: weird that this tweet is a crossover of whatever No.
3: That's why it's like such a it's, it's a such a spot. crazy sweet spot. Like Nabil put it in our basketball Slack channel um with this note saying that the audience Venn diagram for this incredible meme is so small. But it but is it, it is but it's, it's Nabil and me. Cuz I'm not even sure Jessica. That is the only whole, on one. Yeah, she <laughs> on one half of it. Um, okay, so now you know that in the world of this meme, Natalie Portman is NBA superstars. They'll now offer max on tracks, and it's supposed to be on tracks. No, it's not. That's just a, that's just okay. it's supposed to be on tracks. <laughs> <laughs> he just yeah. got so excited that he had such he fire got out of his so hands. Excited with his meme that he forgot to put the C in contracts. Um, and then the Jonathan Saffron foresight of, of the of the picture is uh, the Knicks. Okay. All right, let's start simple. Do you
1: know who the Knicks are? I feel like you can presuppose a certain lack of knowledge, but this is just insulting. <laughs> PJ do you know who the Knicks are?
2: A New York City-based basketball team. Yes, exactly. Uh, blue and orange font.
3: Yes. Kind of a purpley blue. So, Knicks fans, they are the saddest fans, I think, in the entire NBA because the Knicks last won a championship in 1973 um and have not won since then which is weird
2: cuz they're a New York sports team you think they would just have a bunch of money and buy all the players
3: yes so which is it's it's crazy huh. and it doesn't make any sense because the Madison Square Garden is one of the most storied s- stadiums it's like the limelight like everybody wants to play in the garden it's like there is there is no reason that the Knicks should not be on the same level As the Lakers. Is there, I mean, is there like one thing that has happened? There is one thing that has happened. (laughs) So, what is the one thing? Do you know the family that owns the Knicks, the the Dolans? I know something really wonderful about the Dolans. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'm afraid to say, so this is the level of Knicks fan. There are Knicks fans in this building who, like Cedric, if you're out there, I know this is painful and part of it don't come at me alright man <laughs> what are you afraid to say but like but he's he, it's it's so painful like being a Knicks fan is so painful that he's just gonna like I know this is gonna be like an hour and a half long conversation where he's like yes everything you said is true but like we're fixing it we're gonna address it we're gonna address it but it's it. not like, like it's not like
2: yeah. art like you can tell if a sports team is bad because they don't win you, I'm telling you
3: alright so, this, so the Dolan family, they are this family. They originally came from Ohio, uh, Cleveland. And um, the senior Dolan moves his family out to New York City to pursue his dreams. And he starts this small cable company that grows to become Cablevision, you know, an enormous cable company. And the family becomes super powerful and wealthy. Um, And they go on to purchase sort of famous landmark New York City institutions and uh, real estate, uh, such as Madison Square Garden. They purchased the the Rangers, the hockey team. They purchased the Knicks. And then in 1995, the senior Dolan Charles hands the business over to his son, James. And James is sort of developing this reputation as sort of like this blustery, brash guy. His hobby is like racing yachts. Like the full-on New York rich person sort of... Master of the universe. Yes, exactly. So just as an example... Well, let me just give you a question. If you were the wealthy scion of this big family that had moved to New York to pursue the scrappy ambition of starting this cable company that had then been acquired for billions of dollars, and you had your own passion project,
2: this is what I know about. What would that passion project be? I know about this. This is the one thing I know about sports. Or <laughs> James Bond is like one of my favorite things that exists in the world. <laughs> Are you about JD and the straight shooters? I'm
3: talking about JD and the straight shooters. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good.
2: It's so good. Okay, so Alex. Yeah. Every once in a while, a huge band will come to New York City, like Fleetwood Mac. Sure. Or the Eagles. And when they get to New York, and only New York on their tour, this weird thing will happen, (laughs) which is that... The opening band. Oh, my God. Are you serious that his band plays with them? (laughs) The opening band is J.D. and the Straight Shooters, which is James Dolan. And then just like a bunch of session musicians (laughs) who are like young. And him, who's this like old CEO guy playing like horrible, like him trying to do
3: boomer rock at Madison Square Garden. Right, it's yeah. You're right about everything except it's one minor correction: is JD in the straight shot. JD in the straight shot. In
1: answer to your question, if I had a passion project, it would be to make a pinball museum.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so much less offensive. So do you guys want to watch uh, his most recent music video? Yes. Okay, so this is like one of their. Uh, I can't believe we're going to singles. talk about
2: this.
1: In the morning, I get the news. So uh, it's a it's a montage of people looking at their phones and uh, uh, newspaper press.
2: Always someone telling you how to feel, what to do. I know you care and it feels unfair, but all this hate will never repair.
3: So it's like, it's all these like, all these images, these split screens of like Trump versus Hillary. Trump versus Hillary, Occupy Wall Street versus like Magnate. And it's this sort of like boomer plea for, I guess, the
2: healing power of billionaire rock. rock.
1: What I'll say about the song you just played is like, the musicianship's actually good. And then he starts singing and it just sounds like garbage. Well, why do you think that might be? I don't know. He didn't auto tune enough. I guess no,
3: but he also hired probably <laughs> really expensive musicians. Well, like, that's what he I, I, I know, hired I know. the I best know. musicians out there. And and then I know. They, they get they're and like they get to play
2: Madison Square Garden, but they have yeah. to play karaoke tracks for Mr. Burns.
3: Oh man. So okay. So that is James Dolan, and in 1999, he is the person put in charge of running the New York Knicks.
2: Okay, singer, songwriter, basketball owner.
3: Exactly, and I'll and I'll just say this. Like, before 1999, the Knicks had been in the playoffs 12 straight seasons, the previous 12 straight seasons. After James takes over in 1999, it's a train wreck losing streak of epic magnitude.
2: Huh. So what kinds of things does he do? (laughs)
3: All right. So, so, so many things, but just to give you a couple of examples, like one, so he wanted to, hire this big time NBA star Carmelo Anthony, right? And so he traded all the good players on the Knicks in order to bring on Carmelo Anthony. And then Carmelo Anthony is like by himself, like this one lone superstar on this team of like really lousy players and the team sucks. And Carmelo Anthony is sort of mired in mediocrity for the better part of a decade. He's like the one star on a team that can't win. He needs like literally someone to pass Someone else. Someone else has to be pretty good. Otherwise you can't do it. One person alone can't do it. Another thing Dolan did, he hired his friend Isaiah Thomas to coach the team. And Isaiah Thomas had been this big star as a player, but then he turns out he's not a very good coach and they just go on this huge extended losing streak. And then Isaiah Thomas like has all these personal issues and he gets involved in like a sexual harassment scandal. I, feel like I saw headlines about that. Yes, it was just like all these horrible headlines and all these horrible things happened with Isaiah Thomas and like Dolan would just for the longest time refuse to get rid of him. Just stuff like that. Um so this is the guy who's in charge of, of the Knicks. And um, and we're about to get to the to the part where... <laughs> this, to the meat of this... The meat of this thing. This Natalie right? Portman, Jonathan so, Safran Foer, so, NBA and crossover. And Knicks fans have been living this with, like, decades now. Decades of obscurity, like, futility, and, like, this, like, poor management. And we come now to June 2015. Okay. um, The NBA draft. Okay, so the Knicks, because they're bad, the one good thing about being bad is that you get to get a high draft pick. We know this from Chester Process. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so they have a pretty high draft pick. They're going number four. And and by this point, everybody's primed. Like, Dolan's going to screw it up because he always screws it up. Okay, so in 2015, this is who they draft. With the fourth pick in the 2015 NBA draft, the New York Knicks select Kristaps Porzingis.
2: Porzingis. Everyone's booing. Yeah. Watch. Look at. Look at the oh, reactions. The Knicks fans are covering their faces and just doing every physical expression of exasperation. Look at the little do. boy.
3: This is the little boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the kid that's crying. <laughs> He's, He's giving like the thumbs down. Pride. This is a compilation of like reactions, reactions. to this. NBA draft.
2: The New York Knicks Oh my god.
1: <laughs> someone, a guy who oh, just collapsed on in the his floor home in his apartment. What the
2: f- did they do? Who the f- is this? <laughs> <laughs> you this f- fucking
0: kid! You stupid
3: motherfuckers! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's a random seven foot three dude that nobody's ever heard of named Kristaps Porzingis, and so I, like, and they're just like, oh my god, Dolan's done it again. Yeah. All right. So like, people are really, really mad. But then. Something amazing happens, which is Christoph Sprzingis turns out to be amazing. Really? Yes. He turns out to be this like one of these like new kind of players. He's seven three, which is a really tall. I know. Yeah. And uh <laughs> okay, I, I, I always forget what I have to explain. Have, but you know about
2: like yeah. most people aren't even seven one, Alex. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You know about the average heights of humans, right? <laughs> when they're so, babies,
2: they're even higher.
3: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's 7'3", but he can, like, move like a gazelle. And he just becomes this amazing player. Here's a here's a highlight reel. Let me just you want to watch some greatest—some Porzingis' greatest hits? Yes. All right, here we go. I wonder if I'm going to be able to tell that he's good.
1: Now, finds Porzingis. He's got Nowitzki on him. A couple of fakes. So that's him. Porzingis with the slam!
2: He looks like a grown-up playing in a kids league. Yeah. Like he's just so much larger and
3: faster than everybody.
1: (laughs) A Porzingis masterpiece tonight and more chance of MVP. He
3: becomes this like icon he's like this idol. Yeah. For Knicks fans. Right? Yeah. Um and then um and then on January 31st of this year, they traded him.
1: <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. Why? You know, I'm not a sports fan, but I feel really mad for them.
3: <laughs> that is exactly what every single Knicks fan in existence
2: asks. I feel like Alex is going to become a sports fan just because he I realizes know. there's one the, more place
3: he can be angry I know. all the time. Like, I know. Because you love you get to yell. <laughs> that righteous resentment that you're feeling right now. But <sighs> I know. So... We don't really know what, what happened. There was a lot of talk at the time that like, that Porzingis was really unhappy, possibly because of how badly mismanaged the Knicks were and how bad they were playing. And, you know, he didn't want to end up in this sort of Carmelo Anthony situation where he's just like the one lone good player on this struggling team. Whatever. We don't know for sure, but whatever it was. From the point of view of the person who made this Natalie Portman, Jonathan Saffron for tweet, once
1: again, the Knicks... Have squatted the chance to be actually good. Now I know what my parents felt like every time I was like, hey guys, I enrolled in community college again. <laughs> and this 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 semester, <laughs> I've got my shit together. I'm gonna study. It's I'm gonna definitely just gonna like do like a the good 90s. job. <laughs> right. I know. So what the Knicks
3: management is saying is that like this is okay because now Porzingis' contract, we don't have to pay Porzingis all this money, so we have now we have cap space, we have
2: room. Because the whole thing with the NBA is like, in an effort to make it so the rich teams don't just win, there's like a salary cap. You can only spend so much money on your players.
3: Yeah, so what Nick's management is saying basically is like, it's okay, we've gotten rid of Porzingis so we can spend his salary. What we would have been spending on his salary, we can spend that on other really good players. But then people are looking at that and being like, well, you're not going to be able to attract those players because everybody's going to feel like Porzingis. Nobody's going to want to come and play for you, James Dolan. Uh, oh. Have we reached yes, yes, yes?
1: Yeah. This
3: is a real sad one.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's what makes
2: me feel really sad. I know. It's just like all about like hope and disappointment and striving and looking like a jackass. Yeah. Do you guys want to run it back?
1: Yeah. Sure. Alex, you run it back. Yeah. Okay. So this is a tweet by Michael Kayley at MC underscore of underscore A. And it is a picture of Natalie Portman and Jonathan Safran Foer. And underneath Natalie Portman, it says NBA superstars. They'll now offer max contracts. I think it meant to say max contracts. And on Jonathan Safran Foer's forehead, it says the Knicks. And so in the world of this tweet, Natalie Portman is all of the incredible professional basketball players that the Knicks supposedly are going to get now that they've traded away Porzingis. Um, but, uh, but since they are Jonathan Safran Foer, they are dramatically overestimating their ability to attract good players.
2: Right. And also, I guess it, the Knicks have like traded Porzingis away before they've actually found the players they're going to get. So it's like one more way oh, that yeah. they are. yeah. So they think it's going to work out. They also could just like end up alone in their sad apartment. Exactly. The remnants of a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, Alex. Thank
3: you.
1: Reply All is hosted by PJ Vote and me, Alex Goldman. We're produced by Shruti Pinnamaneni, Fia Benin, Damiano Marchetti, Anna Foley, Jessica Young, and Emmanuel Jochi. Our show's edited by Tim Howard. We're mixed by Rick Kwan. Fact checking by Michelle Harris. Our intern is Christina Aele DeJoso. Special thanks this week to Nabil Chulampat and Cedric Shine. Our theme song is by the Mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder, and our ad music is by Bill Buildings. Matt Lieber is a random interaction with a stranger where afterward you don't feel awkward. You can listen to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks.